Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today's episode, we brought in a special guest because we felt that uh, three guys talking about this topic, we thought would just made it kind of freak people out a little bit. So we thought we'd bring taken the right way. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what it is. You know, three guys, not many people know us personally, but, (laughs) you know, they might think that we're a bit downright and dirty if we're talking about breasts. That's and right, there's no talking. context, you know what I mean? So we brought in an expert. We brought in so, an and expert. Some people might know you and think that you're being a bit dirty and talking about breasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think? I, I hope not. I hope not. But, well, let's, um, let's, let's, speak, let's clarify this. We're not just talking about breasts. We're actually we're speaking about breastfeeding, okay? So let's clarify that right off before people feeding. turn off. Yes, that's right. We're talking <laughs> about breastfeeding. And we brought in an expert. Now, by means of an expert, any woman who has experienced breastfeeding is essentially an expert and you're an expert in your own experience and we thought that we would ask Rebecca Detman to join us on the call tonight all the way from sunny South Australia, Adelaide Hills. Uh, in fact, she actually shares the same house as one of the wellness guys, Brett Hill, but she's an expert in breastfeeding because she's done it and she's doing it at the moment. Well, I don't know about I did it now. two hours ago, actually. <laughs> well, there we go, two hours ago. So welcome to the call, Rebecca. Thanks for coming. Welcome Thank back. you, lads. It's good to have you on here. In fact, what a good-looking um, panel it is, too. Oh, it's such a good-looking... It's even more better-looking now, you know. Uh, sorry to, you know, chat your wife up there, Brett, but uh, she's, certainly, <laughs> she's certainly the better one. But uh, let's get talking about breastfeeding because that's the topic that uh, is on the, the tip of our tongues tonight. And the reason why we want to talk about breastfeeding is because a lot of women face a lot of pressure about breastfeeding. One, you know, can they do it? Two, is it going to be any more beneficial for the baby than, say, just bottle feeding? Um, will it give the baby a better start to its life? Or is it, you know, can we get all those extra nutrients and immunoglobulins from um, some kind of carry care tin milk or something like that? We, or is, is it is it best to come from the breast? So there's that. There's the social thing. There's the fears about what how breasts will turn out at the end of it. Will it be painful uh, what happens if my baby doesn't thrive um, how do I feed if I've got to go out is it just easier just to pull out a plastic bottle and shake it up these are all the things that I want to cover off or we want to cover off with you tonight Beck how did you get around some of the things did you have fear around breastfeeding I had no idea what it would feel like or be like and, and all of those sort of things I think for me the reason breastfeeding was a, fortunately a really easy and natural experience probably had something to do with the fact I actually had fantastic births. And so by that I mean, you know, I had really natural births. I didn't have any drugs. I had my babies at home. I was really in tune with the whole process and, you know, really let my body just kind of naturally, organically unfold and unroll and do what it needed to do from start to finish, woe to go. So when my son came out, literally, I mean, he came right out, up into my arms and he found the nipple within 45 seconds and he was bang. He was on. Just like his dad, hey? (laughs) (laughs) His appetite has never finished since either. He was like, wow, that was hard work. I'm hungry. Let's go. (laughs) And, um, you know, and any fears I had about can my body do it and what do I need to do and all of that, you know, the babies very intuitively know just what to do because of that sucking reflex. And, you know, like they say, 
if there's if there's drugs and interventions and epidurals and so forth involved in in birthing, you know, often the babies are too drugged to be able to naturally find that nipple and feed. So that it starts right at that very first, you know, finding of the nipple. Mm-hmm. And, well, and I reckon, Vic, that uh, that you had a pretty good philosophy around breastfeeding as well. I mean, from from my perspective, you had a really good understanding of why you wanted to breastfeed and just that understanding of that natural process that it was you know that, that it was just going to be a natural easy thing I think you had that mindset right from the start is that fair to say it is and I've you know you do hear all that stuff about women being frowned upon for breastfeeding in public and stuff I have to say in my experience here in Adelaide as a breastfeeding mum of two kids I've never once experienced you know I'll tell you the, the only time I've ever experienced any sort of um, what's the word just feeling bad for breastfeeding is from my own mother and I think that maybe that's a generational thing um, she had me a bit older so my mother was actually born in 1939 so she's an older mum to begin with and I think the world she came from it freaks her out to see me with like one strap off my shoulder and my t-shirt up and you know that freaks her out but nobody else I've ever encountered has ever had a problem with it no, that's pretty Any good. Any walk of life. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Well, here's the thing. You know, not everyone has a dream birth. And, you know, I actually have a chiropractic friend of mine who's most likely going to be listening to this call. Uh, and she gave birth just the other day to another beautiful girl. Her first birth was a dream. She said, I don't know why women need epidurals. I don't know why women need um, any kind of intervention. The next baby turned posterior and um, she has a spondylolisthesis in her spine, uh, which for many people who don't know what that is, it's a fracture in her lumbar spine. And it's what we call a grade three spondy. And what was actually happening was the baby had spun posterior, uh, meaning that the spine of the baby was actually pushing up against her spine and she was in agonizing, crippling pain. And so she didn't have a dream birth with the second one. In fact, it was very, very painful. She needed intervention and uh, it was very, very challenging for her. And But she's still doing the breastfeeding thing with this particular baby. Now, there's other people who go through a traumatic birth. It could end up in a C-section uh, birth. Um, and they may have actually prepared the whole way through the birth perfect philosophy or beautiful philosophy. I shouldn't say perfect because that's my judgment, but a, a, a philosophy which would uh, be one that uh, would be congruent with the wellness guys. Um, and then also, you know, with all the birth plans, everything all laid out and it turned to custard and they might go through some depression and they might have some real struggles there and then it could be failure for the baby to latch on. And so there could be a whole lot of other complications that can actually make this really, really tough. But one of the things obviously being chiropractors, you know, th- that we know is that we can teach a baby how to latch on properly. You know, we can actually get that suckling reflex happening and, and get that working properly so the baby can thrive better and it can get as much food as it was as, as what it possibly can and it doesn't hurt as much for the mum when the baby breastfeeds if the baby's sucking the nipple properly um, and I, I know that uh, I know that Bex experienced that I know that we've spoken about it before from um, you know having the baby breastfeeding and then doing some particularly crane work um, and then going back and breastfeeding again Beck can I know that you notice differences there Absolutely. I was going to say, for me, yeah, every now and then you did just do just that little two fingers up on the, what is it, up inside the top of the mouth there? Yeah, in, into the palate there, do some which, cranial work. Which connects with the top of the head. And so we all know that when the baby's head's coming down through the vaginal tunnel and all the cranials are being moulded and pushed into a cone and then they come out and all sorts of stuff's going on and it's all connected into the palate. Yep. And I think it's such a basic thing to know and a lot of mums just don't realise that. And all these babies that are being von and 
forceps and, and oh my god they're not sucking they can't turn their head properly to one side or the other it's such a basic thing and I just it amazes me that all my girlfriends don't know this and oh my baby can't suck so straight away on the formula and that's all yeah. over you know yeah no? it's a shame isn't it yeah, and yeah. it's such a quick little thing you guys stick the things in bang done it's so quick and easy <laughs> <laughs> that sounded terrible <laughs> <laughs> well Beck, I think that's a good, a good, a good um, lead into what we were t- what you Damon was just talking about because there are a lot of women who may be listening to this may say you know that breastfeeding um, is just too hard or it just becomes you know too painful um, I know that for you like your mindset was that breastfeeding was the only option is that leading Look, into having a baby I, I'm such again I don't know if I'm lucky or if, if yeah I had really good supportive philosophy and and chiropractic and lots of things along the way in that I yeah I haven't undergone the hardship again that I have seen some of my girlfriends go through I can't speak about bleeding nipples I can't speak about that sort of stuff um I think that's where I'd have to throw to you guys as doctors. Um, I'm sure that sometimes even the most holistic, again, healthy girls in the world, weird stuff like that still does happen and and we don't maybe quite know why. I mean, for for me, from an emotional, spiritual point of view, I, I do believe that women that seem to have deep underlying breastfeeding issues often have their own deeper issues about nurturing or self-worth or believing they can do it and there's certain blocks that come into play there too but from a health point of view that's that's your forte <laughs> body's point well, I mean, of view yeah I, I know from the most i mean i know that my wife personally karen and she she when she went breastfeeding i know there was a bit of fear in that um leading up to it but I, she knew fundamentally though had this mindset of that once the the baby came out that breastfeeding was you know one of the top options and other options possibility but it was only as a worst case scenario type of options not just is it going to be breastfeeding you know so it wasn't like a 50-50 choice it was sort of you know a, breastfeeding was the only way to go she did end up having mastitis um, we talked about this earlier uh, six times back to back which was uh, quite traumatic six for her times. but tiring yeah it was See, a lot yeah, of stress, I had a, you know. With my second, and I was really in just strongly sat down by my midwife, and who just basically said, "You're going too hard. You're trying to take on too much. You're completely burning yourself out. And this is your body's way of just holding you down and saying, stop. You need to completely relax. Hard to do with. Like I had two little kids under 24 months, but I understood that. And when I followed that advice, it, it did get better for me. Um, something else I was going to bring up as well um, was. So I breastfed um, my son like up to about a year and he literally just, he'd had enough, he'd, he stopped quite naturally. I'm, ha- I'm happy to go with my daughter as long as she wants. With my son, when I stopped breastfeeding, I naturally, during that and then after that, put him onto spring water, right? So he went from breast milk to water, yep. you know, very occasionally a bit of squeeze juice, whatever. Never have given him cow's milk, yep. never gave him formula. Yep. I have been vilified by daycare ladies, you know, all, all kinds of people get really confronted by the fact my child's never had cow's milk. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wondering how many cows have had human breast milk. That's what I'm wondering right now. <laughs> That's, <you know>. right. <laughs> That's the, definitely a topic we need to cover. Yeah, we will cover that one. That's that's probably another conversation because that's okay. massive. But, that's such a, but, you know, really, Beck, that's such a great <laughs> point. Interesting seeing people's reactions. Yeah, sorry, I missed that, Brett. You were pretty scratchy then. I didn't get that at all. Um, but um, did you say something about people's reactions? Yeah, he just said it was interesting to see people's reactions to our choice to, to yeah, 
to not lean on that other white substance. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you know, part of the part of the problem is is education, and there's most certainly been a, a massive infiltration of information, which I suppose we call education, um, about food and nutrition, and that one of the staples that we all should grow up with is cow's milk. You know, that's one of those things. It's just it's kind of perpetrated society and the way in which we grow our children and raise our children and you know some kind or some form of dairy is our only source of calcium or our best source of calcium and uh, and that's kind of just managed to survive the times but I think bit by bit people are starting to realize that we don't need to actually drink cow's milk and we certainly shouldn't be feeding it to our children and in fact um, many many um, pediatricians will actually now say don't feed your child cow's milk at too early an age, you know, so they literally say it because it does cause issues with gastrointestinal lining. It can definitely disrupt the mucous membranes. It can also cause allergies, all kinds of things. So it's one of those things that we're becoming certainly more aware of. But back on the topic of breastfeeding, there's some strategies. And Lawrence, you know, with Karen having had mastitis for six times in a row, um, what, what was the intervention that you guys used? I mean, many people talk about using warm towels. Other people uh, use antibiotics. Some people use a combination of both. Some people use some herbs. What did you guys do with Karen? Well, she had mastitis um, both times and uh, with both our kids. And the yep. first time was really bad. Uh, the second time, we, we're, we caught on to it pretty quick um, just so that we can prevent it. So there's several different things. Uh, you know, the... the, the Cabbage leaves is one of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you freeze the cabbage leaves, and uh, there's supposed to be something within cabbage leaves that will help. The frozen cabbage leaves, obviously, will the the reason why it's um, you freeze them is because obviously the coolness of it will cause the inflammation, anti sort of anti-inflammatory response um, to the body. Um, there was uh, things as such as um, um, pumping was very important. Um, because As in expressing. She, expressing, yeah, because one yeah. of the things was, was that she was, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's clarify. Yeah, pumping the breast, <laughs> expressing the breast milk. Yeah. Um, because she was engorged uh, a lot of times. It would just, you know, and the, because she was getting engorged in the breast, the some of the uh, the ducts were getting blocked. Yeah. So, and uh, having... Um, sort of massaging through the blocks was very important in a hot bath, oh, no, sorry, a warm bath, to just release that block. Um, also with a breast pump. Now, here's the one thing about breast pumps is that we, the first time around with Kaya, we bought this breast pump, you know, from, I can't remember, it was like Timmy, Timmy Tuppy or whatever that's called, that brand. Which, Tommy well, Tippy. Tommy Tippy, yeah. It was yep. about $100, $150 or so. And, um, you know, I thought, because we didn't know any difference, so we just bought that pump. Um, it didn't work very well. And we just thought, oh, you know, she, she just can't pump very, her breast very well but the second time with Christian someone recommended a different brand more of a hospital grade type of brand I think I can't remember it starts with an M I'll put it on the website for anybody who wants to know that was you know twice as expensive but it works so much better so right. for those women who have trouble you know with regards to pumps and, and, and who are going through mastitis you got to get a reliable pump and go with the hospital grade to really pump because that really helped because it helped drain the blockages um, that were going on which then stopped the infection from happening because what happens is that the, the ducts get blocked and then an infection sets in and that's how you get mastitis which is very very painful um, for you know for, for females and they definitely get into um, uh, you know, to, to other things, uh, other interventions. Chiropractic helped a lot. Um, me being a chiropractor, she recovered. The reason why she had six or seven mastitis episodes in a row was because she would recover within a couple of days. Because all we did was we adjusted her, her immune system was strong. Again, she would go out of it. But then what happens is that, you know, 
uh, the second time around was then the, the mass size would come back around. So that's sort of a couple of ways we, we, we dealt with the issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some great tips there for a lot of women who, you know, certainly have been through that sort of stuff. Um, it's very challenging. I know that with uh, Michelle when she breastfed Jackson, uh, I think we got Jackson to about 14 months. I think he might have been 16 months he breastfed for. And, uh, and it was an incredible way to start his life. And what we do know is that the longer a child is breastfed for in their first, I think is it two years of life, in that sort of time frame, the, um, the more significant the immune benefit is for the baby, for the child. And, uh, you know, anything from ranging from atopic disorders, so eczema, asthma, hay fever, all the way through to intelligence, brain development, um, brain plasticity and neuroplasticity, all those things are enhanced by uh, having breast milk, human breast milk, not cow's breast milk and not uh, milk that comes from a, a tub. So, you know, all these sorts of, th so there's so many benefits to breastfeeding um, as well as the reflexes, the natural, you know, the primitive reflexes that occur um, and that actually need to be staged through and then grown through by the infant, they're better achieved by breastfeeding children. So there's, there's a lot of benefit to breastfeeding, um, but we do certainly acknowledge that many women do have struggles with it. Breast milk as well, like it's like don't forget what a natural antibacterial sort of a – it's an amazing substance. So if your nipples do get cracked or anything like that, you just put a you know, breast milk on the nipple and leave it in the sunlight. If you can, it will just heal itself. And if your baby – like my baby had a lot of sort of conjunctivitis in her eyes when she was born and um, or it was just sort of like blocked tear ducts and I just kept rubbing breast milk into her, her eyes. Anywhere they've got cuts, scratches, sores, lesions, whatever – the breast milk, you just apply it and it's wonderful. It's so good. You don't so need creams, good. you don't need all that kind of stuff. Just the breast milk for the newborns is all they need on their skin for healing. Absolutely. Well, look, one of the things, Beck, you know, if, if and it's such a great point. There's so much immune stimulating and um, basically everything the baby needs to grow on in the first really six or seven months of its life is in the breast milk. It's, it's just outstanding. It's, it's the greatest product on the planet. It's um, pretty amazing stuff, I have uh, to say. And I know a couple of times... If she's been a bit sick when I've taken her in for Cairo and we've done a little bit of muscle testing on what it is, it's often, you know, if I've had a little bit too much of something in my diet, that will just show up straight away. If I've had a bit too much sugar or a bit too much carbs, that baby, you can see it within, you know, automatically they're getting it downloaded yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, Teaches that's exactly right. Teaches you to be right. very conscious about your behaviour, yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, another, copy, another topic that we might even talk about is the effect of alcohol and caffeine on the, on the baby through breast milk. You know, that's pretty pretty significant you know it, it's estimated i think it's it's something like 70 times the dose that the human gets or the the adult gets access to goes through the breast milk into the baby it's unbelievable like it really times worries me that the government or whoever it is that keeps putting out these messages telling women it's okay and i just can't believe what i'm hearing that they're, they're you, know, you know they're still saying one glass or this or that is all right and pregnancy and blah blah it's like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not cool, is it? Like, it's just all it is is just keeping things PC and just watering down the, you know, the the message. And it's not I a just proper think solution. You wouldn't take your newborn baby and hold it in your arms and lift a glass of champagne to its lips and feed it, but you're doing exactly the same thing by drinking it then breastfeeding it. So I don't see what the difference is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, that's certainly that's certainly a good point. Um, but what I was going to say is that if if women do actually get cracked nipples or there are, you know, the the you know, and, and there's pain, another great thing is just 
aloe, aloe vera juice straight from the leaf, you know, just from as a soothing agent. Um, it's very, very restorative, very, very reparative and, um, and very, very nurturing to cracked tissue, especially skin tissue. Um, and it's not unsafe and not dangerous for your baby. Um, where some creams and some medications and some things that many people get given to put on their, on their cracked nipples um, can actually be not good for the baby. Um, and certainly, often when you read the labels, it says, do not use when breastfeeding, but it's for cracked nipples. Um, you know, you, you kind of go, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to wipe it off. Well, you don't have to do that with something like aloe vera juice. It's, it's safe and it's good. And the same for breast milk, of course, as well, Beck. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I've also got a hot tip. Okay. Breastfeeding on the side. <laughs> that saved my life because when Lying you've got a newborn who wakes up yeah, all night and you're losing so much sleep, particularly like me, and you've got another toddler, you've got to get up during the day and look after and you're so tired. Um, uh, you know, a lot of women will actually physically get up out of bed and fully wake up to have to breastfeed how many ever times a night. And for me, right from very early, I learned how to just post-sleep with a baby, which is another thing that felt incredibly natural to me after having a natural birth, breastfeeding and, and all the things I did. It was just so natural without even thinking about it to co-sleep. And um, with that, the baby can literally learn to find the nipple by themselves in the night and just feed themselves off your body. So you can get a lot more sleep that way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely, and look, you know, there's such there's so many great points coming out tonight, and many people have fears around actually their child then developing a dependency, needing to sleep in the bed, and you know, needing to feed through the night. How have you overcome those sorts of uh, things, there, Beck? Well, I take cues from my child and from my mother's intuition, and my child naturally. Well, they naturally outgrow a lot of night feeds. Yep. That just happens and you look for the cues. And yes. my daughter let me know very clearly after a few months that she was ready to migrate to her cot in her brother's room. She wanted to. Um, I mean, I was happy to keep her in there for longer. <laughs> but she was actually ready to grow up. And, and so, you know, these are very subtle, subtle things. And the more that women are listening to other opinions or drugging their bodies or doing this or doing that, these subtle cues between the mother and the baby that the breastfeeding does help to bring about, you know, that bonding that we're talking about and yep, when they're they're born vaginally and all of those things there's all those bonding chemicals released and everything and you, when you've got that almost cord connecting the two of you um you know exactly what they need what they're thinking and it's it's actually a much more harmonious process you're not you're not left in doubt constantly wondering what am i doing what does she need where am i going like you know it's yeah i found it it was all just very intuitive for me I absolutely agree with that because, I mean, we co-slept with Kaya, our firstborn, probably for, oh, probably like 18 months or 21 months. Um, and we, it just came natural and she, that's what she wanted. And she would feed through the night and Karen would do the same thing, lie, lie on her side and just feed when, whenever she needed. Whereas Christian, it was the opposite. You know, we tried to co-sleep with him for a little while, which we did for probably a few weeks, uh, probably six weeks. But then he just got too disturbed. He just wanted to be out of the bed. <laughs> like He's still in the room, but he just wanted to be out of the bed. So I think it's listening to what the child wants because every child's different. Every character is different and uh, they have their own personalities. And it's listening to those little intuitions that uh, the child gives you in the cues and following through with that. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? Um, Damon, I think I have a question for you, though, oh, okay. um, because there's some listeners here, I'm sure, um, that, you know, we, we come across this a lot, and I, 
this. There's going to be um, women who are listening to this saying, you know what, I try breastfeeding, and there's you know there's certain situations where a woman just cannot breastfeed for for whatever reason that yep. it is, and yep. or it's your choice or whatever. What is the best, in your opinion, um, the alternative, um, given that what we talked about, you know, cows, milk, and stuff, um, from a young age all the way through? What, what are some of the alternatives that you would suggest, or where you would start from, um, from a comparison point of view? Wow. Okay. So this this goes into a whole philosophical side of things because there's so many different options. And look, we look around, and there's children all all throughout the world being brought up on on bottle milks and and different types of formulas. Uh, and to choose which one is best over another one, uh, it's it's very very difficult. It's it's really really difficult to do that. What I've often suggested in the past and recommended for my patients uh, and their children. If the mother hasn't been able hasn't been able to breastfeed, uh, is the organic formulas that you can actually get. One of the brands that comes to mind is Holly, uh, and they've got a goat's milk formula, um, and that tends to be very well tolerated for babies. And the reason why I like to go with goat's milk is because the casein molecule of a goat, uh, sorry, the goat's milk is very similar to the casein molecule that humans actually produce for their breast milk which is also quite similar to the uh, casein molecule that Jersey cows produce in their breast milk, but not Frisian cows. And the pre- predominantly the type of herd of cows that we, that we get our milk from is a, is, is a Frisian cow, not a Jersey cow. And, we, and so as a result, all kinds of different problems you know, take place. So I do prefer to push the goat's milk type formulas uh, in favour of the uh, of of the uh, of the cow's milk ones, and certainly over soy. You know, I, I definitely yeah. don't like to go soy uh, for children. I don't like to go soy for many people at all. But I think that it should be an animal-based protein formula going into the body because that's exactly what they'd get from the mother. Um, hence, you know, the reason. You know, I think it's it's just so important. Um, but a goat's milk formula is a good thing. And then you know, scaling way down the line would be some kind of uh, a cow's milk formula. Um, but you should always fortify them. I think so. You want to make sure that you've got probiotics in there. I think that's really important. Uh, so a, a children specific or a an infant specific uh, probiotic. That's that's so important because the the incorrect strain in a baby's uh, digestive system can create more damage than good if you're actually putting an adult strain bacteria into a baby's body. So you actually want to get yeah. infant strain bacteria into the formula and uh, and that's a really good way to start it. You know, you also want to get the formulas that have um, essential fatty acids in there too because the essential fatty acids that would normally come through the human breast milk won't be present in a goat's milk. Um, we require different levels of essential fatty acids than what a goat does. So, you know, you do need to add some kind of essential fatty acid and omega-3 from fish are the most important way to go. I shred, I shriek when I look at at formulas that actually contain um, soybean oil or soybean extract or soya protein or whey protein concentrate. You know, it's all the junky stuff that's been thrown in there just to fatten your baby up, as opposed to actually keeping your baby healthy. So you, you really want to select the good ones there. That's absolutely. I, one of the things that people might be listening to they go, "Why you get you know against goat's, cow's milk?" Sorry, but we're gonna have to do a separate episode. But what's relevant to this is that cow's milk is meant for cows, and their protein um, that's needed for. I mean, let's put it this way: and when a calf is born, their brain is fully developed. Okay, and they're able to stand pretty much within that day, where a human 
baby, when they're born, their brain's not fully developed. So they yeah. need different nutrition in terms of protein and fats for their brain development. A cow needs a lot more protein, whereas um, a human baby needs a lot more fat to develop yes. for their brain. So the brain, so fat. Mm, so there's a difference there, and that's one of the reasons why we're stressing so much the importance of breast milk versus cow's milk. If we, if the possibility is there to, for you to, you know, to, that's what it's designed for. Mm. And then, you know, the babies are designed for breast milk. Yes, that's right. That's right, Beck. I think you wound up there. Were you going to say something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm quietly. No, this is all. Um, yeah, it's it's really fascinating stuff, and. Uh, I th- I was, uh, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about post-breastfeeding as well. As you did mention that how much the body changes. And it's actually a bit of a sad thing for a woman, I think. when like, Breastfeeding is such a hassle, but you, do, you still love it because it's the most beautiful experience you get to have as a woman, I think, with a baby. And a friend of mine, I know she had her husband take a photo over her shoulder of what it looks like to look down from this perspective at your baby when you're holding it in the crook of your arm. Because she said, you know, once he's grown up, I'll never get seem that way again she wanted to capture that for all time um and look yeah you, your boobs well my boobs did horrible things once i was finished with my first son <laughs> i'm so <laughs> happy to get pregnant again get nice big boobs <laughs> that they will shrink back down three sizes when i'm done um it's not like that for all women but i think for a lot of women it is um but you know what you kind of come through the ringer once your body has been through birth and breastfeeding and you, you you certainly don't seem to be as vain as you were in your 20s anymore and you just think my body is amazing, my body has done amazing things and, you know, and I've had amazing experiences through it and you don't negate it, you know, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, look, the, the, you, you, you're right. Um, and look, gravity takes its own effect, and so I suspect that uh, that many women would, in fact, experience the effects of gravity uh, on their breasts anyway, regardless of whether or not they breastfeed. And so things will change shape. Um, but there is that bond and there is that specialness that many women talk about uh, when it comes to breastfeeding their infant, their child, having their child so close to them, actually being part of them um, and sharing with them um, th- that, that life, that energy that, uh, that you may not ever uh, get access to or the opportunity to, to, to share again ever in your life. It's, it's something that many women describe as probably equally as special as the uh, the birthing process. So great point there, Ben. And if you ever have trouble getting your milk to drop, you just need to actually look and connect with your baby and it's like your body will automatically drop that milk because it's like you, when you really see the baby, you know it needs it and there it is. It's when you get lost in your headspace sometimes, your body can't perform. Um, yeah. I found that works for me anyway. Yeah, hmm. nice. Very good. One last, one last thing is about that, the bonding is that science have shown that the, the distance a baby can see is the exact same distance from the breast to the mother's eyes so you know there you go whoa really wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty one, okay. yeah. so oh, we'll man. end off with that one and uh because we're running out of time thank you back for you know joining us on the call and uh, really appreciate your insights and sharing with us uh, your experience and uh your um you know all all this we're gonna have, definitely have you back on uh regards to home birth and uh we're gonna have to do an episode on that soon and i think that would be a very insightful um call for people to, to listen to. Well, my, my boobs and I had a good time, so thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, thank you again. And uh, obviously, great information. Rewind and listen to it again, and share it with other people. You know, especially to uh, mothers who are uh, who are going to be obviously who are pregnant or having uh, issues with breastfeeding. Please uh, pass this uh, episode on to them. Join us each week on thewellnessguys.com. Leave your comments below this episode, and to tell us what you think. You know, like us on Facebook. Leave us comments. We've been getting tons of comments oh, and questions, and uh, we're answering them uh, as soon as we get them. So please do leave us uh, some some notes and questions and suggestions for our, our upcoming episodes would be great. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. So let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guy Show.